Giant Podcast. Along with Andy Makowitz, I'm Adam Armbrecht, and as always, coming to you each and every week, two times a week now, with all things New York football giants. And as this is, of course, the bye week for Big Blue, we're going to go ahead and take a look at some of the things that we're kind of finding positives from over the last couple of weeks in spite of the losses. And before we dive in there, Andy, uh, did you happen to catch the, uh, the Thursday night action last night? Anything interesting in that game for you? No, nothing, nothing really earth-shattering. I mean, Adam, what I was going to say is, you know, after our, our recap of the of the Cowboys game, yeah. uh, you know, it got a little heated between the two of us in terms of, of who we thought was at fault and who we were putting blame on. At least one of us didn't take the other person's helmet off and smash their face with it. Yeah, you know, and it's, it's just so serendipitous. Maybe you missed that end of that game. Wow, that's interesting. Thankfully for you and I, we don't wear headgear anymore. When we first started the podcast, we went pretty official. We were both wearing shoulder pads. I had a cup on for some strange reason. Yeah, exactly. And I was wearing eye black thinking it would help the glare on the mm-hmm. computer screen as we read stats. So I'm glad that we've become more official, having a lot more crossovers. And uh, now we do the normal podcast. You better believe it, man. And, and as we will dive in here, I mean, listen, this is what football players are. Like, this is what this sport is. Like, it, it's as close as you can get to fist to cuff combat for 60 minutes, you know, in an arena. So I, I don't know why people are kind of blown away when a player does lose his cool and something like this happens. Well, it's, it's, it's a combination of, of a multitude of factors that led to everyone being as outraged as they are. You know, the, the first one is that, uh, you know, one guy is demonstrably bigger than the other guy, right? On offense versus defense, quarterback versus defensive lineman. There was some pushing and shoving, which seems like normal pace of play stuff. But ripping someone's helmet off and then using that helmet as a weapon just feels so outrageous and, and so different. And what, what's amazing is that usually you get this hysteria um, from incidents where there's severe consequences to, the, to what has happened. You know, a severe uh-huh. injury, something catastrophic has gone on. You know, thank goodness no one got, you know, seriously injured. But yeah, it's, it, it, and you know, the, the funny thing, and I don't know if you were listening to a lot of the talk radio uh, or talk shows this morning is some of the funny takes that people have to do uh, in order to sound contrary is amazing. I mean, Max Kellerman was basically uh, on this morning. I, I think I saw, uh, you know, we were texting before. He basically was saying that Mason Rudolph, the quarterback, was was the instigator and basically was asking to get, you know, smacked in the yeah. face with his own helmet, right? Yeah, I, 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 was catching, I was catching that while I was doing some work here at the home office. And like you said, I think that, that that show at times is is the perfect example where they're like, well, this is what we do. We debate. So somebody has to debate this thing on the other side of it. And, and, and you know, every once in a while, an issue like this comes up where you're like, oh, no, this is pretty black and white. This guy hit a guy in the head with a helmet. And Max Kellerman's like, I get it. But in some regards, you know, he touched him. Mason Rudolph, he, he look, he grabbed him there. He was kind of asking for it. I don't know if you can really say one guy is worse off than the other in this thing. And it just seemed like such an absurd, like, stance to be taking to just to have the argument. And then and it, it was even more surprising that it was Max Kellerman and not necessarily Stephen A. that well, was what, taking that position. What, what I love, and, and that's, you know, it's funny because only times like this where there's a crazy event do I tune in to, you know, Stephen A. Smith. And he looked like he was going to have a conniption. Like I thought he was going to have a full meltdown when Max was doing it. And oh, yeah. that's, that's worth the 10 minutes with a cup of coffee in the morning for, for me <laughs> and any of the week. And uh, you know, the, the last thing I'll say on it is, uh, you know, Bill Simmons, uh, former ESPN, you know, columnist and, and obviously sports uh, media legend basically was live tweeting the whole thing. And he's like, 
what a take by Max Kellerman. Look at Stephen A. Smith's face, and he kind of ran down. I was <laughs> laughing this morning as I was scrolling through my feed. Oh, it's too good. So, and ultimately, obviously, a lot of suspensions get handed out in that one. We won't focus too much on it. I think it pretty much came out in the wash the way you thought it would have. Uh, as we move on from that and try to start to dive into some of the giant stuff, what I will say is going into this weekend, we're not going to have some of the usual uh, highlights of what we expect from the upcoming matchups. But I'm over here on mybookie.ag, and in an off week like this for the Giants, is there any chance, Andy, that you're getting in on some of the uh, Gamer Legion versus Penta 1860? You know, it, it, Penta 1860 is at plus 103 coming into this Friday night matchup. Does this do anything for you? Ooh, interesting. I was actually focused on uh, the Tour de France cycling betting lines uh, for who's going to win in 2020 on June 27th. That was Ooh. what I was focused on. Well, and yours is a little bit farther off. Obviously, the you know, League of Legends has some established credentials here coming into a hot Friday evening. But ultimately, if you're looking to get in on either of those game actions, little future bets from uh, Andy Makowitz there, you can head over to mybookie.ag. And if you were maybe looking for some more of the traditional lines, Andy, we got the Saints giving five and a half to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Atlanta Falcons getting four against the Carolina Panthers. Any, any lines over there that you're taking a look at and thinking maybe you want to get into the action on that? Uh, well, I think the New Orleans Saints line is exactly one where you'd expect a, a great team uh, to bounce back. You know, I'd looked at the uh, Minnesota Vikings versus Denver Broncos at, at 10 points, and uh, knowing that Denver's starting a backup in the Minnesota defense has looked pretty good, uh, I might be interested in taking the Vikings, even though, you know, they still do have Kirk Cousins. So. Well, and he's on my fantasy team, so I live and die and mostly die by that man's arm. So if you're looking to get in on some of that action at the NFL, you can also head over to mybookie.ag for NBA lines, NHL, NCAA hoops, and so much more, including EA Sports action if you're into it. And if you join right now, mybookie will match your deposit halfway all the way up to $1,000. That means, Andy, that if you deposit $2,000, you're getting an extra $1,000 in free money to play with. And you don't have to be that big of a baller. You deposit $500, you're going to get $250. 50 matched up halfway all you have to do is use the promo code o-v-e-r-t-i-m-e that spells overtime to activate the offer using promo code once again overtime o-v-e-r-t-i-m-e to take advantage of my bookie's generous sign up offer visit the mybookie.ag website today you play you win you get paid moving on my friend I want to get into a couple of things, focusing back in on the Giants, because that's what people are listening to us for. You know, I went back and took a look. We were really pumped up about what we saw from Darius Slayton. So this is going to be a nice transition piece for us. I just wanted to highlight what I saw on those two touchdown catches from him, and then it'll actually move us into some offensive line talk as well, if it interests you. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, before we even dive into each of the individual plays, for any Giant fan that was living under a rock and not watching the Jet game, uh, it felt like it was Darius Slayton's coming out party. Uh, you know, while he's made some great catches uh, earlier on in the year, uh, he certainly did not have the volume and the, and, the, and the looks that he did against the Jets. He was going to work 10 receptions, 121 yards, two touchdowns, and he looked like he could be one of those dominant go-to receivers. Yeah, I like his combination of size and speed, right? It seems like over the past handful of seasons, we've had guys that are kind of one or the other and can't do the combination of both. Obviously, uh, Evan Ingram is kind of that hybrid guy for us, but health concerns and usage have been an issue. So we were pretty pumped up on his overall game by Darius Slayton. You know, taking a look at the two touchdowns, I'll go to the, the one that he actually ends up getting a bit of a scoot and shows off some of that track speed. 
it was a three-step drop by Daniel Jones into the pocket. And, you know, Darius Slayton comes off the line on the outside, takes three steps going forward, kind of leaning towards the outside like he's going to run a bit of a go route, then plants his foot hard in the ground, cuts inside, and it's a quick three-step drop from Jones, hits him in stride, and then Darius Slayton shows, I'll say, good field vision, knowing to keep moving across and up the field. The safety tries to come over, takes a little bit of a bad angle. No one can catch him with his speed, and it's just a, a great touchdown play. The thing that I also noticed on that, beyond just Darius Slayton and a nice timely pass from Jones, was positively, Pulley and Zeitler look strong on this play. Pulley held his man right at the point of attack, did not give any ground on it. And Zeitler also put his man off to the side. Nice clean pocket area on a quick throw for Daniel Jones. The downside that I did see in this play was Hernandez really was back on his heels and was getting shoved back. If Daniel Jones doesn't get that thing out on a quick three-step drop and go, you probably were going to see another one of those potential fumbles. Yeah, and Adam, I think you highlighted the two key uh, things there when I think about uh, that that touchdown play specifically. First is we are milliseconds away from being able to create big plays on the offensive line. You can see what a difference it makes when we do give just the slight slightest bit of protection to Daniel Jones. And um, when we don't, there's fumbles and, and hurries and turnovers. And when, when he does have time, he can make plays and and throw the ball pretty accurately down the field. And we talked about Darius Slayton making a great catch, and you talked about his breakaway speed. Uh, you know, that was pretty much his calling card in college. Uh, you know, going into the combine, they expected him to have a pretty fast 40, and he ran a 4.39. Um, yeah, and, and so, you know, him having that burner speed to be able to get away from someone, obviously we're just trying to get the ball in his hands. But, um, you know, the way that I've seen things so far is he needs a little bit more time in his route to be able to get a, a little bit of separation. And, again, that goes back to the offensive line kind of helping and supporting Daniel Jones and giving him that extra, you know, quarter of a second to be able to get the ball out. Oh, 100%. And, you know, we talked about this on the past couple podcasts about trying to find those positives. We, we did focus in on Slayton and obviously a four touchdown day from Daniel Jones. But these little things, too, are you're able to see these flashes because there's just enough time. And, and to your point, the difference between success and failure on a given play can come down to an extra half second just to be able to get to that next read potentially and get the ball off from a QB standpoint. Uh, on that play as well, Eric Smith was in that in the game at that point, having replaced Nate Soldier. He looked decent out at the left tackle position. Gates also looked strong. And as I move quickly through, just to highlight on the uh, second touchdown pass for a uh, touchdown catch for Darius Slayton, this is one where Soldier is still in the game at this point. So it was actually earlier on when uh, Soldier and Hernandez double up their man on the outside. They basically bully him over on that side. Pulley goes one-on-one -on -one and wins his battle. Zeitler chips, chips on the outside and then kicks in to assist Pulley on the back end of it. And the guy that I really want to highlight here as well, as Slayton ends up coming down with a, with a catch in traffic, does a nice job protecting the ball. Again, another crisp throw. This is just from about the 10-yard line. So, you know, Jones throwing a quote-unquote bullet from a, a close range. But Gates, again, 
He moves his man to the inside, and as the defender starts to try to push back around and get around the edge on Gates, he stays in front of him, stays engaged on him, and keeps moving him past and you know deeper beyond Daniel Jones, and Jones is able to take just a little step forward and get that pass off. It really was a, a positive uh, performance from Gates on that particular play and overall in this game, and it gave a very clean pocket for Daniel Jones to get a tight window pass off to Slayton for the touchdown. Yeah, and, and I think you're right on the money focusing on Nick Gates. I think he's someone that a lot of Giants insiders uh, saw in the preseason, were excited about. Uh, 2018 was on uh, you know the injured reserve, and so we didn't really get to see him much. We were wondering if he was going to be just a, just a camp body um, coming out of Nebraska. Uh, uh, Roto World kind of wrote up a thing during his draft time that basically said, nothing to see here, move on, shouldn't be drafted. Mm-hmm. Um, which, which is not uh, unexpected considering he doesn't have long arms. He's not, um, by any stretch, one of the most athletic linemen. Uh, but I thought he did a great job and he is definitely something, uh, that giant fans should be excited about moving into the last six games of the year. So you go into the stat lines on him, just 84 snaps, small sample size. He played the bulk of this past game and he's gotten in a couple times earlier in the season as well. But on 84 snaps, he's taken zero penalties, given up a sack, and grades out on pro football focus with a 67.1 grade. Now, to be relative to what else we have on the line, you're talking about Remmers getting rated 61.2. You got Zimmer, who is our high man at 71.1. Jalapio been an object disaster at 51.6. And then here's the interesting part. Uh, you know, Soldier actually rates out, at, I'm skipping over Hernandez for a second here. Soldier rates out at 67.6. However, he's taken five penalties on the season. He's given up eight sacks on the season. Hernandez rates as a 61. So in this hierarchy, he act, Gates comes out almost basically on par with Nate Soldier in terms of performance and would be the second best player on this line. And in a small sample size would also be an improvement over Remmers. The reason why we highlight him and want to look at this is because potentially as we look down the rest of this season, he's going to get looks now. Remmers has an injury. Soldier took a concussion in this one, which means more than likely he's going to miss some amount of time. So they're going to have to shuffle this line a little bit. If this type of sample size can extrapolate over the course of the season, I think at the very least what you can identify with Gates is he could be a replacement guy at right tackle over Remmers going into next year and worst case scenario be depth behind a move that you possibly make yeah and that's the way that I'm looking at it you know small sample size but he looked really good and um he was quick on his feet he actually looked more athletic than I expected him to be I think the one thing that I worry about with Gates is the bull rush um you saw it a couple times in the jet game um while he didn't give up any sacks he was getting forced back pretty regularly into Jones uh, but I, it almost felt like it was a bend, don't break mentality for, for Gates. Um, he apparently from you know, all, all Giants brass is, is a pretty tough, tough as nails kind of guy. He's ultra competitive and he's going to be aggressive. And he's one of those guys that maybe like Hernandez is going to get down and, and, and into the nitty gritty and uh, really give this line some tenacity. So, uh, you know, a couple of things that I'm going to be looking out for, but definitely excited about you know, him getting an opportunity and, and maybe – us finding a diamond in the rough because we really need one of those. You need one of these guys to pay off. You know, a player that we haven't seen on the field due to injuries on IR is Asafo Adaje. And this is a player that we thought was going to be developmental. He's a big physical guy, thought he could develop his skill set and maybe go into a backup role and over the next year or two, 
ascend to a starting role, potentially. That's you try to take a look at some of these guys later in the draft. But with that injury, Gates kind of becomes because, uh, you know, Eric Smith is not rated out well in his sample size. I don't anticipate him being a part of this, you know, unit going forward, even in a backup role. To touch deeper onto this offensive line, though, when you look at that soldier, you know, eye test tells you soldier is done i mean you know from a in terms of being a starting left tackle for us i think it's safe to say you need to move on from him the interesting thing is that that hernandez grayed out right over he's played 678 snaps he leads the team he's played every stat, snap along with zeitler he's taken three penalties on the season given up zero sacks him being sandwiched between maybe a, looks like higher rated on paper, but a guy at left tackle who's giving up eight sacks on the year, and then Jalapio, who rates the worst across the offensive line. And I think, again, eye test tells you he has not looked up to the standard of what the Giants hope for. Do you think that Hernandez is suffering from that, of having these two players on either side of him, that, that they're, they're clearly in diminished form right now, and that's stunting him a little bit? Because there has been plays that I've been able to identify with Hernandez where it looks like he is just getting beat sometimes. Yeah, I mean, we like Hernandez uh, because he does get under people's skin, and uh, he has shown flashes and, and promise where – we feel like Solder really hasn't, you know, one is on the rookie pay scale right now. The other was the highest paid uh, on the uh, left tackle in, in NFL history at the time he, he signed. So we're right. also talking about the expectations of each of these, of each of these players. Right. Um, so, so for me, you know, the value that we're getting out of a, you know, a second, second round rookie on his rookie contract, uh, I feel pretty good. I think, yeah, Jalapio has has struggled at times. I think Nate Solder has struggled at times. And, and you know, being in between two players that are struggling, there's no easy way to say that you're probably going to struggle a little bit too. Um, I'm also curious about how these ratings kind of work because it, it just feels like being on the outside, on the left tackle, you're really against defensive edge and, and those edge rushers. And it just feels like, you know, Solder's getting beat and it's, you know, maybe it's because it's a costly turnover or at a critical moment in the game, but it just seems like he shows up getting beat more than everyone else. Inside these numbers, what does it take? Because even if, well, you've taken five penalties on the year, and by the way, you're tied for the highest with Remmers on this offensive line. Okay, you've taken five penalties. That doesn't seem that bad. You know, you're, you're, you're two and eight, you're ten, you know, 10 games in, you've taken a penalty every other game. It's not fantastic, but when you want if you're watching these games consistently it is on the crucial third down play when it's third and long and you need to buy Daniel Jones time that's when that's when Nate Soldier's getting beat for one of those eight sacks that he's given up and so even though these numbers may say he's the second best rated member of this offensive line those eight sacks certainly tell you something and like I mentioned before the eye test tells you that in, to your point the biggest spots in the game when you need your guy to lock his man up and perform at the highest possible level and probably when you're facing the most pressure coming off the edge that's when he struggled the most. Yeah, and, and that's what we're hoping to avoid with, with Gates. And, you know, obviously being on the right side uh, is a little bit easier than being on the left side and the blind side for Daniel Jones. Uh, I'm hoping that this, you know, these, this stretch of games, these next six games, gives Gates an opportunity to really showcase what, what he can do. Um, I wanted to pivot for a second back to Darius Slayton. Yeah. Um, just thinking about some of the positive things. You know, we're talking about Gates. That's a positive place to look for, for the remainder of the season. And we talked a little bit about Slayton. You know, one of the things that uh, we knew coming in was that, you know, Slayton was a burner. He could really get downfield. And people kind of said that was about it with him. 
uh, and he's showing to be more of a complete receiver, but he, you know, that, that speed is not going away. And one of the interesting stats is, you know, Darius Slayton right now is 26th in the league in yards per catch. So he's, he's basically in the top 25 at 14.6 yards uh, per catch, which just so coincidentally happens to be three spots higher uh, than a wide receiver in Cleveland that wears number 13. <laughs> well, listen, I mean, you know, you, you're not trying to, com, you know, compare players because, you know, he's not wasn't brought in to replace, quote unquote, Odell Beckham, but he offers a speed and he offers a certainly more size. And I think, um, you know, I, I, again, I don't like to look over into someone else's yard, but at the end of the day, Beckham expressing frustration. He's not getting the looks that he wants. And I think it's true of a lot of, you know, star wide receivers. But right now on paper and those stat lines, I, I feel good about the moves that we made and the players that we got back in return. And you can see how certain positions for teams are, are, are replaceable, right? Darius Slayton is a later round pick for us. And he's already proven out that you put him in good positions. He can have success. And I think that's why that move on from Beckham is maybe softened a little bit. So I think, you know, at this point we can go ahead and switch gears a little bit. This is going to be, uh, we'll call it a, a fresh segment here. And I'll, I'll title this one, uh, uh, Kudos to Andy Makowitz. As everybody may know, Andy and I were going back and forth about, we mentioned the top of the show, responsibility. Who is to blame for what's going on on this Giants football team? And though we, I think we both agree, you can spread it around, you were very much uh, talking about, Betcher and what he's doing on the defensive side of the ball. So it ties into a young rookie that we were also mentioning, and that's DeAndre Baker. Right now, as we look over these last handful of games, six games left to play, they're talking about one of two things, right? Should there be a change made? And Betcher's name is the one that comes up most readily. But the secondary thing that I was finding online about this in terms of recommendation was Sam Beal now back and healthy, ready to play. And it would be the idea of one of two things benching Baker in favor of Sam Beal, who, if all things being healthy, probably would have been our starter over these last two seasons, or making an adjustment in the scheme, which is to your point from the last podcast, and getting Baker into more of a man-to-man coverage, playing to his strengths as much as possible. What, out of those two, th- you know, out of those options, what appeals to you there? Do you think that, do you want to see Sam Beal get involved, or do you want to see them try to give Baker an opportunity to maybe play more of his style game, quote unquote, coming out of college. Yeah. And and with those two options for me, it's pretty simple. And I can kind of give a rhetorical question. When was the last time that you heard it be successful that a highly touted, you know, top first round pick plays poorly because of the scheme that his defensive coordinator puts him in. And the answer is to put him on the bench, demoralize him. So he has time to stew and think about it. Mm -hmm. I think, the answer is, is it's never successful. I mean, they always talk about quarterbacks. Once you make the change to Daniel Jones, it's very difficult to go back to Eli Manning. You know, the same is to be said about, about Baker. If you make that change, you're basically waving the white flag on his season. And what does that say for a guy that you invested such a, such a high draft pick in? So for me, it has to be schematic-based. I mean, we, we talked about it at length before. You know, everyone coming out, you know, coming out of the draft basically said, DeAndre Baker is a very physical cornerback. He likes to get up in press coverage. He likes to push, push, and, and hopefully the line gets pressure, and that's what they were doing at, at Georgia for him, and he looked outstanding. And if, if we're not going to make some of these schematic changes, then, yes, he's going to continue to struggle the same way, and he's gonna, you know, his confidence is, is going to be gone by the end of the season. 
And I tend to agree with you as well. I, I don't, I, I don't know how you can come into a season starting a rookie and then say, we're just going to go ahead and, and bench you for the last six games. And because I think to do that, it also would be basically saying, then it's not the scheme. You know, it's not, it's not the system. It's this particular player. And I think across this defense from a broad standpoint, it has been, okay, well, you know, is it that that means that after this turnover, these last couple of seasons that the players that we've brought in, some of them have been duds. I think, you know, Bethay is an easy one to look at in that regard. Uh, and some guys are just getting older, but the talent you've brought in should be able to be more successful than it has. And that's why I think it, it definitely is more of a correlation with the scheme that's being called, or not just the scheme, but also the plays that are being calling in game and the opportunities they're giving them. So, but Adam, I, the, the yeah. other, the other thing that I was thinking about with that is we're, we're not a team looking at the playoffs. We're, we're not worried about win now. We're not, you know, even if there's a guy that's sitting behind DeAndre Baker that maybe at present is slightly better at his job, I, that doesn't that doesn't interest me in having that person play. If it's a, you know, 12 year veteran that we know is not going to be on the roster next year, what's the point of having someone marginally better that we know we're not going to have a long term future with? You know, you invest this draft pick in DeAndre Baker. He needs to play through this. You need to know going into next year. Is he going to be, can he make these changes? Can he turn it around? Or is this just, he's not going to be able to, to be a top corner? Well, and not unlike, uh, you know, D Daniel Jones, right? You want to know you have in a young player, obviously franchise quarterback situation. But, you know, just because Daniel Jones has had fumble struggles, it doesn't mean that you were going to say, well, we're going to sit him down so he can learn from these mistakes before he gets back out on the field. And to your point about bringing in a, a marginally better veteran cornerback, two points to quickly make is if you wanted to get Sam Beal onto the field, then I would more readily sacrifice Janoris Jenkins snaps because I don't see him as being a guy that's going to be here next season. I would much rather see, okay, potentially we're going to have Baker and Beal are going to be our starters next year. If things were to go, you know, well for us, quote unquote. So th that's what I'd rather see because you'll know what these young players can do. We haven't seen Sam Beal play a large enough amount to know, do we need to go back into the draft? Do we need to go into free agency to fix this problem potentially? So that, if anything, would be the direction I would go. And it's not a detriment about Janoris Jenkins. The other, the other quick footnote I will make that's, that's just more funny is that you had mentioned about how, I don't know if we mentioned on podcast or before we recorded last time, about how the Giants had traded away Eli Apple and he you know went over to the Saints and we mentioned that he's had success he rates out again going back into pro football focus a 70 rating right now over there Janoris Jenkins rates out as a 65 so you know theoretically right now the Giants could have Eli Apple on the field a younger player playing well right now for another team in the NFC as opposed to a veteran high-paid talent across from Baker yeah and and it's frustrating and and listen the New York market and the New York media didn't help Eli Apple. Um, you know, it, the big Apple can eat up people like Eli Apple. And when his, uh, you know, some of his family members are on TV and, and prominent in the media, that does, certainly doesn't help him when his play uh, isn't the best, but yeah, it, it is interesting. We gave up a fourth round pick for Eli Apple. And right now he's grading much higher than Deandre Baker, but at, at, at the same time, you know, like I said before, if, if you're the Kansas City Chiefs and you're looking to win now or any team that's in the playoff hunt and you can bring in a veteran that might be marginally better than one of your first or second round picks, you do it because you're trying to win the Super Bowl. Right, right now, the Giants' only focus in the next six games should be developing talent and making sure a catastrophic injury doesn't happen to Daniel Jones or Saquon Barkley. 
a guy like Julian Love, the, you know, you talk about the Ballantines of the world. I think that these are players that you want to see more of as we go down the stretch and probably speaks to, uh, you know, maybe we haven't heard anything yet, which probably means nothing's going to happen in terms of Betcher. I, I would think that this is what you will see, though, in terms of a change. It's just getting in the young talent and basically setting out to Betcher. Hey, it hasn't been going well to this point. You might, you might as well help. We need to evaluate our young talent. You're not, you're not playing for your, for your coaching career with the Giants from that standpoint. If, if we check the boxes right now, what you've done with the veterans and the blend of young talent, you're getting fired at the end of the year. So you might as well evaluate these young players, see if you have a spark there, and maybe it does identify that some elements of your scheme are more effective than we realize with some of these other guys on the field. Now, before we get into my last little tidbit note that I want to kind of throw something out here to Andy, I'm catching you off guard the entire podcast with my questions. This is the way we're going to go do it moving forward. I do the show rundown. And I don't communicate with you. Talk you know, my, uh, my birthday is just around the corner, Andy, and you and I have gotten closer and closer. I've been up. I've, been, I've seen your son. I've held him in my arms for crying out loud. And I just wanted to know, are you going to be heading over to the Vivid Seats app and maybe just taking a look around, maybe, buy, I don't know, buying a couple tickets to a Giants game? I'm just saying, you know, they're, they're bad. The ticket prices are low. Maybe you want to utilize this app and, and get yours truly a little, little holiday gift. Interesting. Well, I will check your availability around the holidays, but the Giants do play the Dolphins on December 15th, and something tells me those tickets uh, are going to be pretty easy to come by. If you're Andy Makowitz and you want to buy me some, some tickets or anybody, you can head over to the Vivid Seats app where you can go ahead and use an incredibly intuitive product that allows you to get into the sections and the seats, see your view from the seats, you know exactly what you're getting. And when you go over to the app store and download it, you're automatically enrolled into the Vivid Seats loyalty reward program where you earn credits back on every single purchase that you make through there. And every single one of those comes with a 100% pack, buyer guarantee Andy I've been saying this week in and week out there's no guarantees in life like me having clean socks in the morning but vivid seats is going to give you 100% buyer guarantee I mean what's better than that no, nothing Andy because that 110 you know nonsense that people throw out there that's not a real percentage it's either 100% or it's less than that so 100% buyer guarantee and uh, you can go ahead and get down on the action right now and if you are a first-time buyer, new users can enter the promo code OVERTIME at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100. That's promo code O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E, spelling OVERTIME, to receive a discount of up to $100 for new users. All righty, sir. No action here as far as any coaching changes. I don't know if you anticipate any switches at some point over the season. Do you think that Pat Shermer if this team only ends up with three or four wins the rest of the way, do you think that he's gone? Yes, I do. Okay. Uh, I, 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 the shortened and sweet of it is well, for all the people that worry about how that will stunt Daniel Jones's growth, I would be more worried about um, the head coaching leadership and the ability to get us to the playoffs more than I would another coach coming in and continuing to advance Daniel Jones in his progression. Mm -hmm. coaches that are being listed out there right now some familiar names some that maybe are coming out of the coaching ranks some people are calling for Harbaugh out of Michigan who had a successful run at the NFL level I think that that's a bit of an outlier guys that I'm interested in would be Greg Roman the Baltimore offensive coordinator he has uh, is, has great experience of moving weapons around the field and adjusting his scheme to fit who they have he also knows mobility having worked with Lamar Jackson and his previous stint also had a mobile quarterback so accentuating the mobility of Daniel Jones would be nice. And the other one that I wanted to highlight was going to be, well, one of two guys, either Matt, Matt Rule 
out of Baylor, who was back from the coaching days. He was the offensive line assistant coach during the Tom Coughlin era in New York in 2012. He's currently at Baylor. He was in the interview runs with the Colts last year, was one of the finalists for that job. And then D, uh, D. Filippo, who is the Jags offensive coordinator now, has experience calling offensive plays and obviously worked with uh, Carson Wentz and fixed some of his mechanics. He took a guy in uh, Jordan Minshew this year and made him look competent as well. And of course, the Nick, Fol Nick Foles connection becoming a Super Bowl winner. Just that little list there. Anybody jump out at you that would be intriguing? Do you want to go with that known commodity? Or are you kind of interested in going into the college ranks? So uh, you bring up a couple of interesting points, especially uh, the first one, uh, a name that's popped up a couple of times on uh, some of the different uh, giant blogs is Jim Harbaugh. And the, the first thing that I'll say is I believe his buyout clause right now is over $15 million. Uh, yeah. So, you know, I think that's just the pipe dream. Uh, but when you do think of, of the giants and the type of organization they are, you, you do think of, um, legacy, traditional, blue-collar type team. Um, I, I've gone back and forth on, on what I want. Do we want another inexperienced coach uh, that's never done this before, like Ben McAdoo? Do we want to try to get a retread, like Pat Shermer, that's chosen, it's proven to be unsuccessful? Uh, the only other name that I've heard that's been thrown out is, is Mike McCarthy. And I think he is, is someone that kind of fits the bill of, of what, the you know GM Dave Gettleman wants he says he wants an adult in the room uh it was one, one of his famous famous quotes when he hired Pat among Sherman. his many it was one of, among his many gems right, right and and but if he's not going anywhere and he still wants an adult in the room Mike McCarthy certainly provides that um he's he's worked with Brett Favre he's worked with Aaron Rodgers and that seemed to be pretty successful and if we're putting all the chips in, in the center of the table on Daniel Jones and you do believe that Mike McCarthy had uh, just even a sliver of, of the uh, reason for either of their successes uh, in football by putting him in the right spot or not, then I think he might be that kind of stable force mm -hmm. and figurehead that, that makes sense for the Giants. Yeah, you know what? It wouldn't be unreasonable because it, it means bringing in a guy that you think can get your organization back to stability and gives you an opportunity to be the eight, nine, 10 win team, you know, consistently in and around the playoff hunt. And that's probably, you know, that'd be a win for the giants at this point, just getting back to consistency and getting some more W's in the old wing column for sure. The big fish to fry possibly, which would be a retread of a head coach getting a second opportunity is, uh, is Josh McDaniels out of the new England Patriots regime had his stint with the Denver Broncos. I, I certainly think that over that type of time that he's had underneath Belichick going back there again, that would be someone that if available, if that opportunity presented itself, I would be more than comfortable putting him, uh, you know, behind the wheel to guide this, this franchise forward. Yeah. Josh McDaniels would, would be an interesting one. Uh, obviously um, it seems like he may have gotten some promises, uh, you know, uh, wink, wink, back room, handshake, uh, from the Patriots to take over for Bill Belichick when, when he's gone. You I'll know. take Bill Belichick if that's the scenario as well. I mean, if the Patriots are looking, you know what I mean? Listen, whenever they want to switch over, that's fine by me as well. Come on home, Bill. Well, well, yes, but I just think, you know, McDaniels was uh, about to be named, uh, I believe it was either the Colts or the Lions coaching. And yeah, he bailed on the Colts last year. Yeah, he, he bailed and backtracked and that's when everyone basically said, you know, Belichick said, stay with me for, you know, a few more years and then I'll ride off in the sunset. I have read a couple of different things that, that have said, and it's all from Giants people and, you know, Giants blogs of, of, who are clearly biased that said, 
if Bill Belichick were to ever leave the Patriots, the only team he would go to is the New York football giants. Right. So take that for whatever it's worth, right? The positive is here. We'll dive in on some of these coaches a little bit later in the season. But what we just did, Andy, I had run the poll over on Twitter. I put it out there. What did people want to hear about? I gave them the options of secondary, offensive line, or coaching changes. And we just knocked out all three in our podcast, good sir. And we started from top to bottom in terms of what people wanted to hear first. Actually, I did it in reverse order to finish on the high note of possible coaching changes. This is obviously something that we'll dive into more as we get to the off season. But I think, you know, this is what the chatter is about right now. And just having a sense of some of these guys, coordinators on other teams that you can kind of look around the league, especially in a bye week, and see how some of these, all their offenses look, how are the quarterbacks playing for these teams, and some of the play calling that these specific guys are having. And then maybe even go to the college level and take a look at a head coach at Baylor and just see if you like what, you, what you're looking at there because we're going to come back to this as the offseason gets underway and we see maybe some potential changes happening yeah Adam it's nice uh for the first weekend uh the, so far this season it, it's nice to not have a knife being shot into your rib cage and slowly twisted uh as as you watch the Giants defense give, give up another critical touchdown in the second half I wasn't sure if you were referring to watching Giants games or hanging out with me on Sundays. But the point is, everybody, we're going to get out of here on that note. As we mentioned last time, we're not playing this week. If we can't lose, it means we win. You can always follow One Giant Podcast on social media, on uh, Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, at One Giant Podcast. And, of course, if you want to help us out, head over to iTunes, download, subscribe, rate, and review the show. It helps us to climb up those boards and continue to grow this bad boy. Those ratings and those follows mean the most over on iTunes. So please go and do that. And as we had mentioned, we got on with Scott Mason from Play Like a Jet. That was fantastic. We got a lot of great feedback around there. So coming up, we're, we're looking to, we've been speaking with the Bears Report, a fellow Overtime Media Network member. We're trying to line up something with them ahead of the Chicago Bears matchup. It'll probably be coming later in the week. And as soon as we have that locked into place, we're going to go ahead and pump out that info across the airwaves. So that'll be cer certainly something to have some fun with. And we'll be talking about that as soon as we get it locked into place. Andy, anything you want the folks to know? No, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to next week and, and talking about the Chicago Bears. Yeah, hoping that uh, the Giants being a sandwich game between a, a Sunday Night Football against the Rams and uh, Thanksgiving Day against the arch-rival Detroit Lions is a perfect spot for the, for the Giants. Uh, but yeah, everyone kick your feet up. Enjoy, enjoy the, uh, the Sunday watching all the other games in NFL Red Zone. And uh, we'll chat with you guys all next week. Sounds good. Tight.